2: Willie's
3: Podcast is brought to you by Countertops and Cabinetry by Design.
2: Cunningham here. When it comes to your home, you want the best quality for the best price. Countertops and Cabinetry by Design is the best. Get new countertops installed in as little as two weeks online at cacbydesign.com.
0: This is a special podcast presentation from 700wlw.com. This is Bill Cunningham On Demand.
4: Well, he worked two straight days, so he has to take two weeks of vacation now. When you're the king, you get to do whatever you want because you wear the crown. The great American is off, the average American is in. Ken Brew for Bill Cunningham. And the one thing that caught my eye since I awakened this morning was the tumultuous ride that the stock market continues to take. Now, yesterday it was up about 400 points. This morning it was down about 400 points. It's back up to about about 116, down about 115 right now. So it's making some sort of comeback. But the point being is that we are bracing ourselves for a rocket ride yet again this week, and it looks like not only is the the end not in sight, that at the end, there may be a big, giant bear ready to eat us. Now, you may be saying to yourself, Ken, I don't have a lot of money invested in the stock market. You might be saying to yourself, Ken, I don't make a lot of money to, to, to play the stock market. But it affects your life because 401ks, uh, the ability for your company to expand and hire and not let employees go, all of the things that make America work as a capitalistic society are tied in some way, shape, or form to investments. And investments in some way, shape, or form are tied to the stock market. So we all should pay attention to it because even though we may not be in it in a primary sense, in a secondary and tertiary sense, we're all tied to what's going on on Wall Street. And it's a rocket ride. It really is. I mean, we enjoyed unparalleled growth from the end of 2016 to about January of this year. And then things started to get kind of crossways. Everything else in the economy looks pretty good. And maybe that's a reason why the stock market has been experiencing all of this volatility. So I thought maybe to begin this day, on this day, when we look and that's all we see is we see the numbers are up, the numbers are down, what's causing it. I wanted to get on one of the best tax attorneys that I know. Someone that understands investment advising better than anyone I know. And she has a new book out. It's actually not, not a new book. It's been out for a while, but I want to talk to her about it. It's called Wealth Unbroken, Go- Growing Wealth Uninterrupted by Market Crashes, Taxes, and Even Death. Her name is Rebecca Walzer. In fact, uh, if I'm not mistaken, she's been on CNN and uh, ESP- not ESPN, not MSNBC uh, a couple of times today talking about this volatile ride that we're on financially in this country. But anyway, she's kind enough in between all of that to carve out a little time for us to talk about exactly what's going on, how it affects us, and why we should all be paying attention to this because it will, at some point, bite you in the behind. Rebecca Walzer, welcome back to 700 WLW. Thanks for joining us.
5: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
4: All right, so the, uh, the market is, I mean, yesterday it's up, today it's down. Uh, I think the average person just someone that maybe has a few dollars set away. Maybe they are invested in their 401k at work or whatever. After, after so much of a high ride from November of 2016 until January of this year, why is this thing on a roller coaster now? Because there have been many varied explanations for it. I'm interested in yours. Why is this happening? Well, I think what
5: we're starting to see is some uh, cracks uh, giving us some indication that we are, you know, we're in a very aged bull market, which we are. So There's a combination of factors, I would say. Uh, The present most recent factors are obviously the the tariff talks between the United States and then the retaliatory talks coming back from China. And, you know, and uh, last week or so, we had the talk, week and a half or two ago, we had uh, Trump talking before the Chinese tariff talking about steel tariffs and stuff like that on steel imports. That also caused quite a bit of a stir in the market. So we've got some really geopolitical things that are happening. Um, But if we step back and we look at the economic fundamentals of what's happening, we do have a situation where we've had nine years of a sort of inflated uh, equity market because people haven't been able to get returns outside of the stock market, if you think about it, with the low interest rates. And now what we're seeing is, you know, so we had the Trump bump and everything really was going well from that. But now what we're seeing is, you know, the the fact. That, um, the interest rates are going to be rising several times this year. Mm-hmm. New Federal Reserve Chairman, you know, and so people are starting to say, gosh, I might be able to take my money out of this market and go into a safety of a bond maybe with a, with a decent yield. Wow. And that is going to pull some money out of the uh, stock market, which will make volatility go up.
4: But here's, here's what I think a lot of people are having trouble with. If it were indeed a correction or a bear, you would see just a, I think, at least, in my experience, you'd see a decline and a decline and a decline. This is all yeah. over the map. It's up yesterday yeah. almost 400. It opens today almost down 400. I mean, what's fueling yeah. that?
5: Yeah. Well, and people are getting nervous. What's happening is, you know, you see, like, the 700-point swings we've had. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's really high. That's really high, like, unusual. And I think that's a lot more geopolitical than economically based on, like I just mentioned, the tariff talk and stuff like that, going back and forth. But, yeah, what happens is we always emotionally react psychologically different than what we should. And so we should be calm, but people are mostly tied to their money. Go figure. So what they do is they quickly react. And when you quickly react um, and pull money out, that further depresses that reaction for that day. So literally... Uh, people are making emotional decisions very quickly, and I agree with you. If this was the bear, which I expect we will have, when is it going to happen? I don't think this is it at all. I think we've got another 12 months of or less, but, uh, but we've got a little bit of time because we've got strong economic fundamentals. We've got jobs uh, reported out today. The job numbers are looking great. I mean, the, the economic fundamentals, ironically, are actually the best we've had in probably nine years, but... Because we've staked it for so long. You know, people are like, oh my gosh, things are, what's happening? And, and, and the truth is, if we look back over the history of the market, all the way back to 1928, we've only had one bull market that's lasted longer. That was 1990 to 2000. And so this is a very long period of time without a massive, you know, bear correction, which is 20% correction or greater. So this isn't that. We're not there yet. But what I do think we're seeing are some cracks that indicate that you know, volatility is going to play a factor this year, unlike last year and and the last, you know, eight years, we've had really smooth sailing.
4: Now, you and I watch television, you turn on the TV, and and, and you see this guy that used to star in Knott's Landing, right? William Devane. And he's out Uh there, he's on there telling you, you got to invest in gold. He's in gold. Gold is the way to go. Gold is safe. Gold is a great place to go. Gold never goes down, it always goes up, which, of course, isn't true. But is gold a really good option for someone now that has a lot of money in the market to get out of the market, store it in gold, and then when the market starts to come back, then start to reinvest in the market? Would that be a sound strategy?
5: Well, you know, one thing that people don't realize about gold... And, and William Juvain or whatever he doesn't ever share this. I write about this in my book, Wealth Unbroken, is the history of gold in our country. You know, FDR in 1933 signed an executive order basically telling every American you had to turn in your gold. And, of course, they paid you for a fixed a dollar amount per ounce. But we weren't able to own gold privately for 40 years. So I'm always uh, astonished by all these people that believe that how, you know, hoarding gold or having gold is going to somehow protect them from any kind of world economic meltdown uh, because of a couple reasons. The first is the fact that the United States has confiscated K-4 but told you you had to turn in your gold before. So that is, not, that is a precedent in our country. It happened in 1933 with the Great Depression. And certainly if we had economic um, Armageddon, that's something that, could, that certainly could happen again. Um, And so gold in and of itself is is not something that can save you necessarily through a a huge problem economically. Now, is it a strong move to make with temporary volatility? I don't think so because um, of the fact that if it's a temporary volatility that we're feeling, if it's just market jolts, which we're feeling, we crack, I call them crack instability. Mm -hmm. um, This is normal stuff that you will start to feel, and this is not indicative of a, the much larger bear production that will come. So making a strategic short-term play in this little crack time frame is probably not going to bear out fruit for you long-term. Yeah. What, what I do like to think about at a high level is I like people to say, because you know what you'll do is people will call their advisor right now, and they'll say, oh, my gosh, I'm scared, I'm scared. Right. And their advisor will tell them, right. this is normal. You can hold through this. You don't need the money right now. And the buy and hold is the conventional wisdom mm. that everybody in America is going to hear from their broker right now. What I want to say to that, is if I have a guy who has bought a house and he basically holds through and then eventually he waits. Last year, last time, Great Recession took four years to recover. He waits four years to get back to where he was. Well, that guy is not going to perform as nicely as the guy that looks at his portfolio right now today. And he says, gosh, since 2009 to 2018, these last nine years, my portfolio is up, you know, 50%. And if I were to take my gains I'm not suggesting that now it's time to do this, but if I were to take my gains and lock in my gains, right, and hold on to those gains and then wait for this market sort of to, to move down. And people say, well, yeah, but you never know where the bottom is. You never know when to get back in. That's all true. But what you do know is you do know that if you buy back in a lot lower than what you sold at, you've actually just increased your portfolio, right? Because you sold at a high, you buy back in at a low, and then you ride the gains up again. The guy that does that successfully does better than the guy that took four years just to get back to where he was. So volatility is a wealth killer. And we can't, you know, have these brokers, these advisors telling everybody in the country just to hold through it because that advice, Does actually cost your portfolio wealth.
4: So, so if your broker's telling you that, you're saying, I don't want to do that. I want to lock in my gains and let's play this thing smart. And that's why I'm paying you a percentage of what I'm paying you to to manage this stuff for me. And and anybody that's got a, a brain cell working that's in that business is that's what they're doing right now.
5: Yeah, unfortunately, you know, you hear all this terms of conflict of interest and stuff like that with, you know, people that are putting people into financial products. But unfortunately, I will tell you the, the advisors and the brokers, the financial brokers that are managing your wealth, we call it assets under management in, in this world, yeah. they actually they have a reason not to tell you to move to cash or cash equivalents because they don't actually get to earn their fees on cash and cash equivalents. There's nothing for them to manage, right? Yeah, so they right, can't right. They can't keep, you know, so that's a little bit of a conflict of interest yeah. there. I read an entire article written by, a, you know, an opinion piece recently that said why brokers are conflicted out from giving you the right advice and the truth is You know, you can't have your entire uh, client base move to cash and still earn a living. So I I think that their advice is a little bit conflicted here. And this is why it's conventional wisdom to tell you to buy and hold. And just hold through it. Hold through it. Hold through it. Hell or high water, hold through it. And I just don't agree with that advice. Because I do think you're right. I do think you can say, hey, I've made a lot of gains, and I see this, this, this volatility, and I think maybe I'll lock my gains in. And what happens, though, is people will say, well, that's bad advice. Because if you lock your gains in right now, right, at 2018, and then the market ends up going up this year, you just miss out on that entire Yeah, yeah it's a risk. You know what I call yeah. that? What's that? Yeah. It's I call, that greed. Yeah. I call that greed. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah Rebecca Wal Rebecca Walzer is our guest. She's written uh, many books, but her book right now that uh, that's really really good is Wealth Unbroken: Growing Wealth Uninterrupted by Market Crashes, Taxes, Even Death. Now you've said the word bear a lot here today. You've been saying bear, 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 and you've been saying bear. You've been standing at the tallest mountain peak in Tampa, where your company is based, and you've been screaming bear. Of course, the tallest mountain. In Tampa, is probably about three feet above the ground. But the fact of the matter is, the bear's coming. I'm afraid of the bear. You're making this sound like this is nothing compared to when the bear comes. The bear is coming to get you. How bad is it going to yeah. be when the bear gets here, Rebecca?
5: Well, a bear market, obviously, is a 20% correction or greater. And here's the thing. You know, I don't know if you know who Jim Rogers is, but he's a, really one of the most prolific investors of, of our time, all time. And um, he uh, went on record last June, last September, and then again this past January eighteen, and said that the and he's in his seventies. He said the greatest correction of his lifetime is coming. Oh. So uh, we uh, listen. We have to pay the piper. We have artificially, with federal monetary policy, three, one, 2, and three, and the lowest interest rates for the longest period of time, lower for longer. We have artificially inflated our equities. We have a lot of people on margin debt, meaning they. They're in the market on debt, mm. the largest sea of margin debt we've ever had in our market ever. So we are overinflated and at a high, high level. Not, there might be some value stocks. There might be some industries that are still valued, undervalued. But the bottom line is, overall, the market is overheated and it has been. We have faked it for nine years. We finally have some good economic fundamentals. We finally have some ability for people to move their money out, and they will. And you combine that with the Federal Reserve de the, you know, deleveraging their balance sheet, which basically means they're getting rid of the money they bought, and then they're going to raise interest rates as they go. All of these things are going to cause people to take money out of the market, and we are going to have a correction, and we, we have to. This is this is where it's headed now. The only thing we don't know is when. Yeah. So yeah. I can't advise people to move to cash, but. They have to ask themselves if I've done well and I've walked out a game. Does it make sense for me? You know, and I again, I'm telling you, I don't think this is the beginning of the of the bear market right now because we just had the tax reform, and oh. I think that did buy us at least a year. But it is going to come. Oh, You're okay. right.
4: After talking to you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell my house, take all my money and stuff it in, <laughs> in a big new mattress is what I'm going to do. Rebecca oh, wow. Walzer, uh, your book, you, we can find it, I guess, at all the normal places, Amazon.com and uh, the brick-and-mortar stores. They still exist here in Cincinnati, and... And if somebody wants to find you, is there a website or someplace you can direct us to?
5: Absolutely. Go to WalserWealth, which is W-A-L-S-E-R,
4: Well, Rebecca, we always appreciate your time here on 700 WLW. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for
5: having me. Have
4: a great one. That a woman knows what she's talking about. That market has gone from down one hundred and fifteen to down fifty in the time we've been talking to her. So this woman knows. With Lucky
1: Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: The Average American in for the Great American. News Radio, 700 WLW. All right, back on the big one. 700 WLW, The Average American in for the Great American on this dreary Wednesday. What happened to yesterday, huh? I mean, all those storms yesterday, but for a while it was nice. Now apparently we're back to winter. Anyway, we have a rip-roaring show for you today. We're going to talk about D-I-V-O-R-C-E and how you can avoid it. Because, let's face it, if you can avoid that, your life is going to be a lot simpler. Maybe you can't. Maybe it's not worth avoiding. But if you can, we have a surefire way for you coming up here between now and 3 o'clock. Also coming up between now and 3 o'clock, concussions, rule changes in the NFL. And are they really going to prevent... Some of the injuries we've just seen that have been horrific over the course of the last 10 to 15 years. But next, straight ahead, your house is killing you. You have no idea what's going on in your house right now. It is waiting to attack you when you come home, and you may not get out alive uh, tonight. Now, if that ain't a tease, I don't know what it is. News Radio 700 WLW. 1236. 700 WLW, the Average American in for the Great American on this gloomy Wednesday. Welcome back. You may not know this, but your house may be secretly killing you. That beautiful thing that you purchased years ago, that mortgage that you continue to pay over the course of 30 years, all the home improvements that you've made, the lawn care, the upgraded kitchen, the new cabinets and all that, All of that aside, it may be something that is secretly eating away at your life. And that even as you lie in bed at night, it may be sneaking up and attacking you. I know this. I know this because I know a lady who understands all of this. She's someone we've had on the show many, many times before. Her name is Debbie Sardone, and she is a cleaning industry expert. And I would bet cash money that Debbie's house is not secretly killing hers. Debbie, welcome back to 700 WLW. How are you?
7: I am doing great. And it is springtime, and 75% of Americans say they do some sort of spring cleaning. Yes. So, no, your house doesn't have to kill you.
4: No. And my guess is your house isn't killing you, but some unsuspecting soul here listening to us today may not know that their house is killing them with all of the germs that may be lurking inside various cracks, crevices, and sponges, and they can spend the rest of their lives scrubbing their house top to bottom, and they may not get them all because they're not necessarily aware of where these germs exist, right? All of us
7: have things in our homes, including myself, yeah. that have so much bacteria oh. in it. If we were just aware, we, we have no idea how easy it is to clean and eliminate certain types of E. coli, mold, and bacteria that can potentially make us sick.
4: Wait a minute. I have E. coli in my house? Is that what you're telling me? I could have E. coli in my house? 45% of sinks tested to be
7: germier than a toilet seat. So most of us have things like the sink that needs to be scrubbed and disinfected. Uh, Things like that sponge at the kitchen sink that we're trying to wash our dishes with Mm. are just filled with bacteria. A simple remedy is to pop a wet sponge into the microwave for about a minute and it will steam it up and kill that bacteria like nobody's business.
4: So the sponge is a really good place to start if you wanna just cut down on the things in your house that could really make you sick.
7: Exactly. That's a great place to start. But then take a look at your toothbrush holder, oh. where you pop that toothbrush in every day. When's yeah. the last time you ran the toothbrush holder through the dishwasher? You can put it in the top rack of the dishwasher. Or how long have you used that, that toothbrush all through the flu season? That may be time to just simply... Throw the toothbrush away and get a new one.
4: Well, yeah, your dentist said you should change your toothbrush about every three months anyway, right? I mean, so, I mean, it's just good hygiene. But you're right. You think the toothbrush is is there and, you know, it just, uh, I brush my teeth with it. But, right, if you had the flu maybe like three or four weeks ago and you're using the same toothbrush, chances are you may get sick again. I mean, that's just logical, isn't it? Exactly. It's simple, but we
7: don't think about it. Let's go back to the kitchen. Think about the cutting boards. Cutting boards. You're cutting fresh fruits and vegetables can harbor potentially very dangerous
4: bacteria. Fresh fruits and vegetables, is that from the additives or the preservatives or from the insecticides or what?
7: Oftentimes people forget that they've maybe cut up some meat like chicken or raw meat on a cutting board. They don't clean it properly. And then a day later they're cutting up uh, an apple So think about the cutting boards. You can rinse it under hot, soapy water, clean it with a little bit of bleach, and you'll kill some bacteria. And also use separate cutting boards for cutting up raw fruits and vegetables versus another cutting board you only cut up meat
4: that will be cooked. Let's move to the bathroom because the bathroom seems like it's just, it's like Germ City in there. I mean, you could take Clorox and just, Scrub everything down, and, and, and maybe you get it, maybe you don't. But the, ba- the fact of the matter is, uh, if, if, if a sponge is germ central, then uh, I would think a bathroom is like the hotel it lives in.
7: Oddly enough, bathrooms aren't necessarily as germy as sometimes our kitchen and even some of the pet toys in the house. But one thing to think about is making sure you are cleaning the faucet handles in the bathroom. You need to disinfect those. Sometimes they don't get cleaned. And also in the bathroom, countertops need to be disinfected periodically. 32% of all countertops are harboring dangerous germs and bacteria. So we just need to wipe them down.
4: Well, De- Debbie, what, could these ger- what, what would these germs do to you? What would happen?
7: You know, for an average healthy person, we're ingesting germs every day and it doesn't have an effect on us at all. Mm-hmm. But when you have an immune compromised system or you're the elderly, uh, women, people with cancer, you know, our nonprofit, Cleaning for a Reason, serves women who are battling cancer. Yeah. When your system is compromised, you're much more susceptible to these dangerous germs and bacteria that normally won't affect us at all.
4: So, in other words, uh, you and I can uh, can uh, just go about our daily lives, and and maybe we're not quite as um you know as 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 concerned as, as you are. Yeah, as if, yeah. But I mean, we may reach a point in our lives where our immune system is compromised. Hopefully, it's not through a cancer treatment, but it might be something else. It just might be we're at a weak point in 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 our. Whatever our health may be, it might be coming off the flu, going into the flu. It might be, you know, we're taking medication. People yeah, get yeah, run down. Run down, taking medication that uh, that may, you know, harbor or, or hurt our immune system. So it, it really doesn't it really doesn't matter whether you're healthy or not. This stuff can make you sick.
7: Exactly. So many places can be kept cleaner in our houses that we don't realize in our homes and workplaces that we don't realize how simple it is to disinfect them and how easy it is for them to harbor germs, like a coffee maker reservoir. So just being aware that we could be extra diligent during our cleaning processes to eliminate more germs and bacteria will help when our systems are somewhat compromised.
4: Debbie Sardone's our guest. She's a cleaning industry expert. You know, years ago when I was single, I thought I had a very clean, healthy kitchen because in the drain of my my sink, I had this plant growing out of it. And I thought, well, <laughs> look at that. That must mean that everything is going well. But then I come to find out, it probably wasn't the best thing, was it?
7: No, it was probably mold and mildew, and we want to kill that we to kill with that, some bleach. That.
4: Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. That. Now, when you clean your house, should you you, you? you? First of all, you should use a disinfectant or some. You mentioned countertops and all that, but is you know, soap and water just doesn't work anymore, does it?
7: You know, in general, for normal household cleaning, soap and water or mild. Um, cleaning products that are not necessarily disinfectants are are adequate. Um, Regularly washing sponges and cleaning towels are important. Bleaching areas that harbor mold and mildew. That's a very simple process. You don't want to over-disinfect your countertops because what happens is you don't disinfect correctly. You actually create a superbug because all you do is kill the weakest germs, leaving behind the strongest ones to multiply. So So don't get... They're too sto- nervous. There's stronger
4: bugs. There's st- bugs are stronger than others. In other words, there's like a bug that can eat other bugs and then it can eat you. Is that what you're saying?
7: Correctly. You can create a super bug by disinfecting incorrectly
4: when it comes to germs. I'm getting sick. Just, th- just, just thinking about this. Unbelievable. <laughs> now here's something else too. I think a lot of people don't understand is when you go to bed at night, right? You go to bed and you're sleeping on the sheets You know, there's all things, I mean, there's dead skin and everything coming off of that. When you wash your sheets, should you not wash your sheets in hot water?
7: You absolutely should. Wash your sheets in hot water. Sheets can have E. coli and, like you said, some of those really tiny microscopic little bugs that live in pillows and sheets. So wash them in hot water. And, of course, if they're light-colored sheets, add just a quarter of a cup of bleach to kill any bacteria and wash your sheets
4: once a week. Is there any place that doesn't have E. coli anymore? Is there anywhere where I can go (laughs) maybe after I'm done here just to sit for a while and not feel like I'm going to be attacked? Any place?
7: Obviously, there really isn't. So the best defense against all of these dangerous, harmful bacteria is regular hand-washing with old-fashioned soap and water. That's the
4: best defense. And, Debbie, we can find you at ISSA.com. com. What is ISSA?
7: ISSA is the Worldwide Cleaning Association for All Stains Cleaning. You can go to ISSA.com.
4: That's it. Super simple. Debbie, it's always great having you on. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Talk to you you. soon. Bye. Take care. Debbie Sardone, there is no, you just heard it. There is no place on God's green earth that is free from E. coli. There's nowhere you can go, but you can go home and attack it tonight. Don't be duped. Don't sleep in your bed. You're going to get E. coli. Don't use that sponge you used yesterday. You're going to get A. E. coli. Don't cut your chicken the same place where you cut your vegetables. In fact, that's some advice that my father gave me many years ago when I was a teenager, he sat, he sat me down and he said to me, son, whatever you do, don't cut your chicken where you cut your vegetables. I said, I don't know what that means, but it makes sense. Clean it off. This woman knows. I bet you're going to think once or twice before you go to bed tonight. It's The Average American in for the Great American. News Radio 700 WLW. 1252 News Radio 700 WLW. Welcome back. It's the average American, Ken Brew, in for the great American who's off on vacation yet again. Has there ever been in the history of terrestrial broadcasting? Anyone who has taken more vacation time than the great American? I'm just posing that as one of those theoretical questions. Not that he doesn't, not that anyone doesn't deserve vacation time. I'm just wondering. Just wondering. By the way, if you're wondering, other places where you can find things that are rife with bacteria and fecal matter and E. coli are places like kettle handles and remote controls and door handles and, of course, toilet seats. But anyway, it's just just something to to keep in mind as as you go home tonight there's a phenomena going on I, I i of course i i work also in the uh, in the television side of things and uh and then work here on on seven hundred w l w but there's kind of a phenomena going on and i don't know i don 't know whether it's because of nostalgia or because of uh there's just a darth of just good television programs on anymore there there seems to be uh, a great search in Hollywood for, for writers that can can piece together interesting material. Television, radio in particular, but, but television has always been a writer's medium. It always will be a writer's medium. If you can't write something that's interesting, you will not then reel in viewers, listeners, whatever. Because it would become dull, it would become boring and not compelling, and, and everybody anymore that's in the in the news business or the entertainment business or the infotainment business, as David Letterman used to say, are searching for ports of entry for potential viewers, listeners, and readers. And if you don't have that, then you really don't have a product to sell. It may be the greatest idea in the world. It may have the greatest stars in the world. It may be the greatest soundbite in the world. But if you can't write, you can't attract people to that. And for many, many years, I think, it, it, television has struggled with trying to mix entertainment with thought-provoking things, be it comedy, be it drama, be it whatever. And there's a bit of a phenomena going on right now with Roseanne Barr, and we saw it again last night. Uh, because of, of, of where I work, Night on Your Side, here at 700 WLW, I can, I can get access to what are known as overnight ratings. And what that means, basically, is that the next day, uh, within hours after a program airs, we know how well that that program did. We know how well uh, it did against the rest of the competition, but as a standalone product, we know how well it did. And yet again, last night, this this phenomena of Roseanne just, just appeared again. And there are a lot of, uh, oh, yes, no, it was, it was number one in Cincinnati and around the country, and it was not even close. It was number one by a country mile here in Cincinnati. Most of you that watched television last night watched the Roseanne show or the reboot of the Roseanne show. And there are a lot of theories as to why it, uh, it's doing as well as it's, it's doing. And some think there are political ramific- or reasons for it. Some think that there uh, is is some sort of message that that Roseanne is trying to, to deliver about what she believes personally. But honestly, I think what it is, is it's nostalgia. Nostalgia has always played well in all forms of media. It's always played well. We always want to go back and touch what was in a more innocent time in our life or when we were younger or what we remember with our moms, dads, brothers, and sisters.
1: Play for free at Luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary, boyd were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Mini Health understands that for women over forty, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens
0: of
1: symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance.
5: 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
4: Doesn't matter whether it's a song, doesn't matter whether it's a movie, but that's why you see a lot of what you see from the entertainment industry. They call them reboots. You might have a movie about an old television show. You might, have an, you might have a television show from back in the 70s and 80s that becomes a movie. Well, this is a reboot of a wildly successful comedy. A wildly suc- uh, successful sitcom that had a great ensemble cast. And I don't think that the popularity of Roseanne is anything more than that. I think it's simply because it's a touch of nostalgia mixed with really good writing, and really good character development. And yeah, there's slapstick comedy, and yeah, there's there's crudeness. The show was always kind of a crude show. But that's why so many shows from the 70s do so well in syndication. All in the Family, which was a groundbreaking show, and the various spin offs of All in the Family, groundbreaking shows. There was a show out that was uh, on the air. I think CBS ran the show. Back in the 70s, it was called One Day at a Time. Remember that show? Uh, Bonnie Franklin, the late Bonnie Franklin, had the lead. Uh, Mackenzie Phillips was one of the characters, uh, played one of the characters. Uh, Valerie Bertinelli played one of the characters. I think Pat Harrington played one of the characters. But what it was, it was a groundbreaking show in that there was this single mom, a divorced mom, who was raising two teenage girls. And when it came on, people would say, well, why are we doing a show about that? Because that was where America was going. The traditional family was breaking up. And there were a lot of single moms out there. And they were raising a lot of young children. And every day was a new adventure, hence the title, One Day at a Time. That show does really well On the various cable channels that it appears on, there's like 700 of them, but it's a standout show. Its ratings do really well. When it went into syndication after its first run, it did really well. This is what's going on with Roseanne. Everybody wants to say, well, it's this and it's that. And it's because, you know, she's uh, pro-Donald Trump and everybody else in Hollywood isn't pro-Donald Trump. And that's what her character, it's not that. It's not that. It's never been that with any of these shows it's writing it's character development and it's a touch of nostalgia and it's being played out all over the place the the ratings for the first show i think we're on episode 3 now the ratings for the first show were crazy they were off the charts and last week they were down a little bit and this week they were down a little bit as well but it's 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 going to seek a level out where it's going to become one of the most successful shows that that we'll see here in this calendar year in in uh, in 2018 but it's, it's really nothing more than that. It's really nothing more than that. America has always gravitated toward shows that are entertaining and written well. And television, in particular, will always be a medium, always be a medium for writers. Up next, if you don't share the chores at home, if you don't help your wife out, Buddy, you are headed for a payday deluxe, and you ain't the one who's going to get paid. Next on 700 WLW.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Countertops and Cabinetry
3: by Design.
2: Cunningham here. When it comes to your home, you want the best quality for the best price. Countertops and Cabinetry by Design is the best. Get new countertops installed in as little as two weeks online at cacbydesign.com. I make
0: a rich woman bang, and I make a good woman steal. I make an old woman blush, and I make a young girl squeal of yours, yours, yours alone. I'm here to tell you,
4: honey. That I'm bad to the bone. Bad
2: to the,
4: the Alright, what do you do around the house besides lay on the couch, eat Fritos, and watch sports and maybe burp? Like every three or four minutes. Because if that's what you're doing, if that's what you're doing inside a committed relationship, buddy, you got problems. And if you're married, it's going to cost you some dough. I'm talking D-I-V-O-R-C-E, and I ain't talking Tammy Wynette. I'm talking to you. Because there's a new study out from the Harvard uh, Business School that found 25% of divorced people break up because one doesn't help the other in maintaining not just the relationship, but the home. And my guess is that... um, it's more male than female, but that's just a wild guess on my part. Somebody who knows all about D-I-V-O-R-C-E is my next guest. We've had him on him before, and we love any time we can get Jim Mueller on the show. He is a divorce attorney from deep in the heart of Texas. Jim, welcome back to 700 WLW. How are you? Good, Ken.
2: Thanks for having me on again. Always appreciate it.
4: No, no, we love having you on. Now, am I right? I mean, normally when couples fight, and it, you know, gets to a point where this thing is blowing up, that it's normally the guy that's not helping out the woman. Isn't it? more often than not?
2: <laughs> well, why we, we, we certainly hate the gender stereotype, but yes. No. In this situation, it's simply more of the men that are not, quote-unquote, pulling their weight when it comes to what everybody considers as household chores.
4: Now, I know of a marriage that used to be, where the guy would come home from work, be a hard day, a hard day at the office or whatever, and uh, his wife was working too, and all he wanted to do was lay on the couch and read a newspaper, and she's running the vacuum all over the place. Now, they stayed together for a while, but after, after it was all said and done, after it blew up, uh, she was saying, what the hell did I just do for the last 20 years? What am I, nuts? <laughs> and i think that's where and, and and if that guy was smart and i don't know whether he is or he isn't he had to be saying the same thing he said i just this thing just blew up cuz all i was doing was laying on the couch reading the newspaper i mean this is a lot of this is just common sense is it not jim You would certainly think it's common
2: sense. And I think what ends up happening is it doesn't happen overnight. It's slowly, over time, resentment builds up, and that resentment simply festers so that it exacerbates the other problems that the parties might be having in their own marriage. And all of a sudden you wake up one day and you realize, why have I been doing this, when what they don't realize is, truthfully in in the grand scheme of things for what somebody would consider very
4: little cost you could have fixed the problem right now let's let's just like we could stop there before we proceed down about splitting chores and all that it seems to me that a lot of people find it easy to get married right i mean it's not a hard thing to do you get a license you find somebody you can get a light you get people that go online and get the ability to marry people in this day and age It's really hard, but what, not hard to get married, but what's really hard is to work at the marriage. And that is for two people to just say, look, it's not a job, but it's something that needs constant attention. And I think that's where a lot of this stuff goes haywire.
2: Certainly. It becomes its own little animal that you, you've got to learn to feed it, and you have to work on it, and it's just like anything else in your life. You need to foster that relationship, and it, it certainly isn't easy. If it, if it were as easy as what people think sometimes, you divorce attorneys would be out of a job.
4: Now, Jim, let me ask you this, because you've, you've probably handled one or two divorces in your time, right? I mean, you're well-known <laughs> down there. Everybody knows that if you, want, if you want great representation, Jim's the guy to go to. I mean, we're talking about, there's, there, there are guys driving around in their cars right now or at work listening to this. And maybe they're thinking, you know, I, you know, I mean, I've been with her six, seven years. This may not be what I like. You know, Doris over there, she's nice to me and this and that. When you get, when, when a divorce happens, it is economic stress on a lot of people. I think sometimes guys think, well, I'll just dump her and go with someone else. And the next thing you know, that dude's living under an overpass, right?
2: That's exactly it, Ken. As you kind of nailed it on the head, it's it's easy to get married. It's a lot harder to get divorced, and it's a lot more financially taxing when you need to get a divorce. And if you kind of look back at the end of the day, I would tell you the majority of clients would say, why, why did I spend so much money on that right. uh, when I could have just done X, Y, Z? And truthfully, that thought of the grass is always
4: greener, that's Just not always true. No, no, but it just means maybe the septic tank is doing well. That's all that means. But let me <laughs> exactly. Add, well, but but I'm I'm saying. I mean, if there's children involved, obviously there's a lot of stress there. But there's money they got to pay you. There's going to be alimony. There's going to be child support, and then there's going to have to be things that other expenses that pop up, and all of a sudden. Uh, Just if you break it down to just financial decisions, this probably would be the worst financial decision you could make. Now, some marriages honestly shouldn't stay together. There may be other things going on. There may be, uh, God forbid, violence or, or things like that. But by and large, if it's the normal things that blow up a marriage, you really should work at this stuff just to you know, see if you can't make a go of it or the rest of your life could be ruined.
2: That's exactly it, Ken, and I tell you what, too. A lot of times I'll tell clients, before you take this step... Take some of your money and put it towards a counselor or somebody who can help the two parties simply just start to communicate with each other. See if you can fix it that way, and you 'll be much happier at the end, just even if it doesn 't work you 'll know that you gave it every last ditch effort that you could
4: now back to the housework part of thing. I always thought that you know a marriage should be a fifty fifty thing I just think it, it it should be when it comes to everything, not just housework but raising children, making decisions. Uh, as much as you can financially make it a 50-50 split, I, I, I believe in that. But uh, a lot of it when, say, you know Ralph is on the couch eating Fritos and Doris is there vacuuming the rug like every day, that goes back to a trust and that goes back to a respect thing. And I think that, that probably the lack of housework or helping with it wouldn't break up the marriage per se, but it would be symptomatic of other things that were going wrong in that marriage. Would that be fair to say? That's exactly
2: what it is. It's not one thing per se. What it ends up happening is over time, you end up starting to build a mountain out of pebbles, and next thing you know, it's all these little things add up, and that's all the person starts to consume their thoughts with, is all these things of resentment, and that truly their marriage is no longer what they signed up for, which was an equal partnership. Now let's, and think, I think that's what
4: happens. Now let's think about this, Jim, because I'm just trying to, just trying to think this thing through with you. You ever have clients come in and sit down with you, and they try to think things through with you? You know, they talk, you talk. You know, does that happen a lot with you? A lot, a lot. Um, I tell you, I play armchair
2: counselor a whole lot.
4: Well, with Jim Mueller, he's a uh, he's a divorce attorney. I mean, maybe I mean he like a lot of people get divorced where you live because there's just a lot of people there. But I, I I'm just, I'm just wondering as we talk this out between us. If it's going to cost you, I don't know how many thousands of dollars a month in, in alimony or child support or combination of both, would it just be cheaper for like 50 bucks a week or every two weeks? Just go get a maid and have the maid come in and clean the house. Completely.
2: I think sometimes sitting down and actually just reviewing a budget to see what you can do that in the long run for what seemingly could be very little money per week and relieve stress for everybody involved. And I think that's the goal of it is is to reduce stress in your life no matter what. And I think some people don't realize it, it, um, it's the attorney's job to tell them you might be able to save this for $50 a week.
4: Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, it, it, to me, that makes that makes infinite sense. You make infinite sense. That's why we love having you on, uh, Jim. If if somebody wants to find you and save their marriage, what do they do?
2: They can get in touch with me, Ken. It's at Jim Mueller. I'm at Werner Brumley, WernerBrumley.com, or two one four five two six five two three four.
4: I love that. You know, maybe you're, you you get, get a, a, a number that actually spells something out, like. You know, save wed or something like that, you know? Just a marketing (laughs) idea there for you, Jim. There seems to be too many divorce attorneys around. (laughs) Um, Jim, it's always great having you on. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Ken. Take care. Jim Mueller, divorce attorney. Have you ever – seriously, if you've gone through a divorce, I'd like to hear from you. I'm going to open the phone lines here in about four minutes. I'm going to open the phone line. If you've gone through a divorce, do you ever stop and think, maybe if I just did something – a little bit more. I could have saved myself some money and some headaches. What one thing would it be? Would it be housework? Would it be helping out around the house? You know, if Rita needed something. You know, Rita needed the, you know, she needed the garbage disposal fix. Rather than you, you know, going out with your buddies to B-dubs for a couple of beers and a, you know, a UC game. I'm interested. I really am. Because I'm trying to heal things here. Your worst... Your worst mistake inside your marriage, and what would it have meant if you didn't make it? Seven four nine seven thousand one eight hundred. The big one, pound seven hundred on AT and T. It's the average American in for the great American on this dreary Wednesday. News Radio seven hundred WLW. 700 WLW, cloudy today, high 40 tonight, partly cloudy, low 29, and then tomorrow, sunny and up near 50. Going to be 54 by Friday, but it could bring some rain. 34 right now at the Tri-State Severe Weather Station, 700 WLW, D-I-V-O-R-C-E. There's one thing you could have done to prevent it, would you have, and would that have involved housework? Because apparently marriages are breaking up all over the Tri-State because guys won't get off the couch to help their wives clean the house. I have data right here that would support it and a guest that we just have who confirmed it. Let's go to the American people. Gal is in Ohio. Is it Gal? Is that your name? Gail. Gail. I'm sorry. It says Gal up here. I guess <laughs> we we lost the eye somewhere. Go right ahead.
8: Okay. Um, my divorce, I think, was more about my kids. Because when I became a mother, my instincts were to take care of the kids and all my focus became taking care of the kids and things like that. Sure. And I kind of left my husband to, you know, I thought that's what he wanted me to do, take care of the kids, but I kind of put him on hold. And then he I, and I he went out and had an affair and stuff. But when I look at it, because I've been divorced for 19 years, when I look back on it, that's what I picture it being. It wasn't the housework or anything like that, because we both work. But it was because I my focus
4: was on the children. Well, hang on a second, Gail. It sounds like you're blaming yourself there, because you had how many children did you have? Two. Two. Okay. Well, did 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 you have these children with your husband? Yes. Well, why wouldn't he then participate in some of the uh, the the work that goes in and around raising kids and taking the kids wherever well, they have to go? It's not, well,
8: he did. He did. But I I did it mostly. It was I felt like it was. It's just like a woman's instinct. It's so hard to explain. It's like there, take care of the kids. That was there. That was my focus.
4: Well, but but I understand. No marriage is the same, and every marriage is different. And they have their own stresses and whatnot. But when I was when I was married, and 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 my wife and I had young kids, I would if they had to go to the doctor. You know, I would take them sometimes. She would take them sometimes. If they had soccer games, baseball games, we'd go to those. Uh, you know, we'd split up sometimes, one to one, one to the other. Uh, but, but I, I mean, there. It sounds to me like you're giving this guy you were married to a free pass.
8: I I, I think over the years, at first I didn't, <laughs> but over the years when I look back on it and try to think of why why did it break up? Yeah, I think it was. More of kind of that, that I didn't, we didn't like go out on dates without the kids and stuff. See, you got to do kids that. Gotta were gotta do always that. Involved.
4: But he's got to suggest that too. It's not just you. Yeah. Suggest, I mean, he's got to say, hey, Gail, look, well, let's step out. I, well, I don't know where you are in Ohio. Where do you live? With Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky
1: just about anywhere.
4: In Ohio, Gail. Milford. Mil- Milford's a great. A lot of places in in Milford over there. I used to live in Milford. You got a lot uh-huh. of great places over there. You said, "Gail, let's go out, man. Let's go to the let's go to the Red Robin down there. Well, how about we go over there to O Ma- uh, O Charlie's or whatever it's called? And he's got to have a little responsibility too, there, Gail. I think you're beating yourself up here a little too much.
8: Yeah, well, I think
4: you are. But I, I appreciate the phone call. There's Gail. I mean, it's, I mean, I mean, you think about it, they had two kids and like he decides, well, she's not paying attention to me. I'm going to go have a, uh, an affair. I mean, that, that to me doesn't sound like that's on Gail. That sounds like it's on, you know, Ralph or whatever his name is. Uh, Dale is in Waynesville. You want to talk about the Roseanne show? Uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. uh, I'll tell you, I think, uh, yeah. uh, America is, uh,
2: is speaking out and and showing the popularity of this show uh, for a very simple reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that if you talk to people, working normal American people, yeah. they are so tired of the of the of the liberal agenda, the the uh, the politically correct and and you're, all of you're this silly stuff. that better. anything that, that will speak out against the
9: only reason why
4: I, I came in here today is because I could see you, Sig. No. The reason why I came in I I haven't seen you in a while. Not so much. Everything the going okay? Everything's fine. Mine on your side. There's on your sides. Percolate right along. Everything's doing great. Excellent. No, yes, no, sir. No you know, I was watching uh, uh, that game last night, or the uh, stadium in and around the that's, game that's when they crazy. had the rain delay I, and all that. I yes, tend sir. to think, Gail, and uh, as I, mentioned, I, I pretty I much knew, like around four o'clock last yesterday <laughs> afternoon, they weren't going to play <laughs> uh, that game. Why some did some they sort of just not call a damn thing and everybody could the go to Pittsburgh show when it was out back in the eighties? Whatever it was. I mean, you could. Yeah, I'm walking on the bike trail in Brooklyn yesterday at about four o'clock. I hear that that's flooded in certain area. Oh yeah, it was it was big yesterday. But you know, somebody apparently drove. Is river just kind of lovely. down to earth, America, Whether you, you know whether you well, like it or not.
2: My point being yeah. is you uh, know this, well, this is this is I, could tell I think that game this is wasn't more be like uh, why, why,
4: her, why her feelings as a person. did they call it four uh, And, uh, they uh, they four uh, and uh, she's four
3: speaking time? out. I don't uh, know they And it's really I don't know. They were all huddled into the weather center down there, the weather center is sanctuary doors locked, guards and everything. There could have been
4: very many people down there to begin
3: with. Wasn't too many. Yeah, I was going to say there weren't too many. Fans in idea, blue, and a few of them the stood in the rain the but entire time. I'm, I'm defaulting back to what at I said. End I think thir- the end of thir- the third nostalgia the, the Cubs
4: dugout, third base side of and the and dugout. And 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 television. It was probably twenty to twenty-five people, people stood there the entire time, time will in will rain. Scott Sloan said, really Scott Sloan said last week when we were down at the Holy Grail. He said that they should have done a promotion, just handed out like soap to Cubs fans. as they devour characters, I thought that was over the top. hour no, no, no. I well, thought that know, was over the I, top. I, I, I agree. Coming up on he 30, thinks I got a restraining w- order on w- me at the w- Rock and Roll w- Hall of Fame. Because I, you know, I talk what? about music all the time. I know. Something wrong with him. I don't know. There's something wrong with all of us. Uh, Ken Brew, the astute reporter,
3: is a proud service of your local Tempstar. Heating and air conditioning dealers, Tempstar. Quality you could feel in Cincinnati. Call Sheldon Braun. At Braun Heating at 385-7765. Sports. Thank you. Is that uh, who um, is that? I'm not sure. I don't know who that is. Uh, let's see. Uh, Reds open. Reds are off today. They will uh, get in a plane and head off to beautiful Pittsburgh. Yeah, I bet you it's nice out there right now. Four straight days in Pittsburgh. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. What second prize? Uh, so, <laughs> Six. <laughs> that's uh, you know. So they get to they get to go to Pittsburgh for the next four days, and yeah. um, Homer Bailey goes tomorrow night. Uh, and the action will be right here on seven hundred WLW. So right. they they were supposed to be off today. Yes, and they and they a- after last night's game, everybody's thinking, well, they're gonna they're gonna play today because the Cubs had the day off today before they headed to Milwaukee, and and they and uh, they quickly said no, up bah nah. Who said no? Nah. The Reds did not consider making up the game today.
4: So we got a split doubleheader in May, right? May nineteenth, yes. Saturday, I believe. One at one right. o'clock. Ten. Yeah, oh, yeah,
3: correct. So if you're holding a ticket for last night's game, you can present the same ticket for the rescheduled game, one ten Saturday, May the 19th, with no exchange. If you need an exchange, tickets can be exchanged for any remaining 2018 regular season home game, of course, subject to availability. Including the playoffs. That's the 15th rained out in 16 years at gabp the, the second one in a week yeah and the second well the last i'm glad you asked that thank you i didn't last I time the reds that, had ask. two games rained out during a homestand riverfront stadium 1985 i remember that against the la dodgers that was the year rose broke the record there you go right there how about that how about that uh, Z- uh oh uh, your good friend uh, catcher Stuart turner yeah, Stutter. Cleared, wa- cleared waivers today, and he's up, out, Stuter. out right to uh, AAA Louisville. Well, he'll enjoy He's one it of down. your favorite players.
4: He'll enjoy it down there.
3: It's a lovely city. Uh, college basketball, Xavier formally introducing uh, Travis Steele as the Musketeers' head coach today. Uh, Steele will be right in this room uh, at 6.05 tonight with Lance. I had
4: him on uh, Sunday, on Sunday morning sports talk. He's, then, uh, he's fired up. Amen.
3: Also tonight, uh, let's see, uh, Jim Herman. PGA golfer who's out right now with a foot, with a foot injury. Yeah, he's going to be talking a little bit about the Masters and Tiger coming up eight oh five. You know who Jim uh, uh,
4: Jim you know uh, Jim Herman used to work for nine on your side. Worked for the president of the United States, Donald Trump. Is that oh, I didn't down know. at his right. resort down there, in, uh one of Mar-a-Lago? his golf or one of the oh, that's golf where Willie court, is. One Willie, of the Willie. one of the golf courses down. There. Where Willie's where down there.
3: Willie's down there. Oh, that's nice. That's good. He's going to meet the president down there this week. I wasn't supposed to say anything, but
4: yeah, he's going to meet him down there. Yeah. What's he going to do? He's going to be like outside holding a well, sign. Well, they're going to talk about tariffs and protesters. China
3: and North Korea, and you know just.
4: A few other things. Why do I feel like he's going to a Motel 6 in Tampa? He ain't gonna meet no president he's down not there. not that weird. Are you kidding me? He's gonna be down at the, hey, the Motel 6 in hey, Tampa. The, the,
3: the president called for him about three or four months ago here at the station. Yeah. And one of our news people hung up on
4: him. I thought he was. I, the war, they rumor quickly, was. He was quickly called for, back. He was looking for Brian Thomas. That's what I heard. And that what? mistakenly. Mistakenly, someone in the news department no thought it was Willie because they put two and two together. No way. So I'm thinking, no. Well, that's interesting. Say, I, there were not a lot of people down at that game on Sunday either. I was concerned about that. Uh, Ten
3: thousand three hundred and thirty-five, as I announced the attendance in the seventh inning. There, Ken Brew. I don't think uh, maybe baseball should be played on Easter, like have it have it off like uh, NASCAR.
4: Let me ask you this question because this question was raised, and I. I I know that there'll be a hue and cry initially about no way, but right. let's just think about something. Go ahead. Okay. Would you trade opening the season at home for not having to play on Easter Sunday weekend and opening the season in warmer weather? In other words, week 2 weeks into the season. Would you give up, would you give up opening your season at home, which is traditionally the case here in Cincinnati, but not really anymore because it used to be the first game. It's not the first right. game. So really kind of like that's worn off a little bit. Would you give that up not having to play on Easter weekend and then opening the season like oh, 10 days into it when it's nice and it's warm and it's not the lousy weather that we had? I think that, I think, you know, once you get by that, oh, we'd never do that. If you think about it a little bit, it may make sense. Yeah, but look what happened
3: when the uh, look what happened when the, the, uh, the uh, opening day parade didn't happen on opening day. It happened on that Monday, and people were going cuckoo. But I but I, but I think but there, was, was, but there were six teams off on Easter too. Easter Sunday, six well, six teams are off on Easter,
4: and they don't want to play on on Good Friday here. We know that from a couple of years ago, but they wound up playing on Good Friday anyway. Correct. So I'm just wondering that you know, as things morph and they change, and as television dollars just continue to control everything, would you consider? I mean, if you were, would that well, bother the, you if you were a fan? Look at the Cubs;
3: they're on a ten game road trip right out at the start of the season. They yeah. don't open at Wrigley Field till next Friday. But but it's but you know it's different here. This is right. what we well, do, you know. But I'm just saying if they wouldn't open the season
4: here. That I think Reds fans would revolt. Okay, here's something else. Why couldn't they have opened the season on Wednesday? That I don't know. I mean I understand about scheduling and all that and you don't want to play Good Friday. I think you hit it up on
3: like April first or second and start it then. Not I, I, March twenty eighth. That's idiotic.
4: I, I agree, but they've got all these off days and major the Union league one. baseball. I think a lot of this is just stupid and it's just like it's just like kowtowing to television. The par- See, with the parade on Monday, I th- the way I look at it is that's opening weekend. So you had the game and then they had the parade at the end. It was kind of like a giant celebration. Right. But we don't open the season at home anymore. We're not like the first, we were always the first standalone game here. Correct. So that's I don't know. I mean, would you trade opening the season at home? for being, open, being able to open later on, open on the road, but play later on, 10 days down the road when it's warm, and you can have everything you want to have. I don't know. I mean, I it's know. worth thinking about. I think you ought to put that on your blog. I may put it on my blog. I may do a vlog. Or, or, may, or maybe Lance could put that in a, on his blog in a vote. Blogs aren't big anymore. You know what's big now? Vlogs. Video what blogs what are those shoes? Video blogs. vlogs. Uh, vlogs. Yes, video logs. where you just you just oh. it's just you pontificating about something not you necessarily but somewhat pontificating about something wow Willie ought to, Willie ought to be number
3: one in that now shouldn't he well yeah but First you he can't operate email
4: you try to you try to limit it to like two or three minutes you wouldn't want like some sort it's of some two sort or of three minutes that's yeah, just him getting started right now, you wouldn't want some Castro like speech but that's, you know it's that's just him talking about
3: himself and, and deer park until he gets into the real meat of the situation
4: yeah I the did you have to contractually mention Deer Park when he's not here? Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: Yes, th- that's one mention. All right, there we so go. that's one.
4: Get us out of the stooge report if you're able to.
3: Ken Brew, uh, in honor of a uh, cold day here at a tri-state, what's going on with the weather? I
4: was on the Loveland bike trail yesterday. It was seventy degrees. Seventy degrees. It's now it's, uh,
3: it's it's what thirty nine, and uh, the wind out there is howling uh, like crazy. You want to play baseball in this? No.
4: This is they could play outdoor hockey in this. We leave you with the immortal words of the Stu report. 150 News Radio, 700 WLW, the average American in for the great American. Ken Bruin for Bill Cunningham. I believe at the top of the hour, Cincinnati City Council is going to vote on that land swap deal that would allow the city to uh, make the King Records building on Brewster Avenue a, a historic site. And uh, I'm not sure which way the vote is going down. It, I would think if it's, uh, if it's something that's already been approved... Uh, in committee that it would be passed. But who knows? It's politics. You never know which way it's going to go. But uh, King Records is is something that uh, I have an intense interest in and is part of our city and its heritage. At one point, King Records, and this is going back in the 40s and into the early 50s. At one, at one point, King Records was the fourth largest record label in the world and just think about that for a second in little old cincinnati the fourth largest record label in the world i think the background story or at least the bullet points are are known well sid nathan who was a uh, uh a guy that owned a record store at one time uh scraped the money together and bought the uh the press bought the facility bought the label founded the label there were King Records and then there was Queen Records because he believed that there had to be two separate record labels. And then there were other rep- record labels that developed after that, so he would have a-, a label for each one of the various genres of music that he had. Uh, he had Rhythm and Blues, he had Gospel, he had Country, um, he-, he had the-, the King, the Queen, uh, the Federal, and the Deluxe record labels. And uh, the building, which is now in a dilapidated sense, there have been several efforts to try and, and, and turn that into something other than just what it is, which is a, a vacant warehouse with a bad roof that leaks. Uh, various incarnations of that project have come and gone. And now, hopefully, with, uh, if indeed this does go through, there will be a chance to celebrate what is a, a very big part of Cincinnati's history. There, rock and roll, for all intents and purposes, began in the early 50s. But rock and roll was basically born out of rhythm and blues. And unfortunately, back then, uh, a lot of the music that was rhythm and blues was not available on uh, radio stations that chose to segregate its music. There were radio stations in this town and other towns where they would just play white music, music made by white artists. And uh, other radio stations that uh, chose to play black music largely were owned by um, uh, people that may not have even been in that that town. They just might have owned the station. But but if you knew where that music was, you could gravitate to it. People that, that grew up here in the 60s and the 50s, they knew where that music was, and they knew how great it was. But rock and roll was born out of rhythm and blues, and there was an act called the Delta Cats, and it was run by Ike Turner. Ike Turner and his Delta Cats, featuring Jackie Brentson. Jackie Brenson was, because of no other reason why, he was simply their lead singer. I think it was their, their saxophone player, but he could sing. He could sing a lot better than Ike Turner could. And so they had a... Uh, a okay, round two. Name something that's not
0: boring.
5: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire,
0: huh? Ah. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
4: Chumbacasino.com A song that was, that's widely regarded as the first rock and roll song ever made. It's, it's called Rocket 88. And I'm, you might have heard it, you might not. You can find it easily enough on places like... Well, it's in the news today, YouTube. But that's generally recorded regarded as the first rock and roll record that was ever made. Well, Ike Turner and his Delta Cats recorded some of their music at King Records. So did other uh, rhythm and blues acts, most notably James Brown. There were a lot of country acts that recorded there. The Staley Brothers, Grandpa Jones, uh, a comedian of some note who was uh, unfortunately murdered long before his time on this earth should have been up guy by the name of Stringbean. Gospel music was big at King Records. And it was all under the purview of Sid Nathan, who was a fierce business guy, a really fierce business guy. But at one point inside that building, you could not only write music, you could record music. And then that music was taken from one room to the next, the acetate recording of it, and they would press the records. So let's say, for example, you were the Stanley Brothers. And let's say you came in and you wanted to uh, make a new album. You wanted to make sure that people at your next concert stops could buy the album from you or through the record label or at a record store or wherever. You'd go there, you record the album, they'd press the album, they'd give you about 200 copies of it, probably sell you 200 copies of it, and then if you'd go to your concert. You could sell the records at your next concert. It was one stop shopping. It was marketing that really and truly was about 30 years ahead of its time. Anyway, at one point that, 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 that plant down there on Brewster Avenue was so busy. It was, it was manufacturing records 24 hours a day after day after day. There was an artist by the name of Bobby Lewis. Bobby Lewis had a, it was a one hit wonder. Uh, but he had a huge number one song called Tossin' and Turning back in the 60s. And uh, he recorded it for a label that was, I, ba- I believe, based out of Indianapolis, because I think that's where, that's where he was from. But they pressed the record here in Cincinnati at King Records. And that record was so popular, they had to hire on extra people to work the presses, to get that music out the door. There was something else about King Records that was... Um, that made it ahead of its time as a business, that really made it a very special place that needs to be celebrated and embraced. It it was one of the first in our area, one of the first integrate, integrated businesses, one of the first where a black man and a white man could work side by side. And Sid Nathan embraced that probably because he realized there, there was money to be made and money knows no color, money knows only green. But in a lot of places where that wasn't allowed in the 1940s, King embraced that. Nathan embraced it. And over and above the great music that would come out of there by artists like the ones I mentioned, by artists like James Brown, by artists like Bootsy Collins. Even despite all of that, if for no other reason, King Records should be celebrated and, and embraced. Sid Nathan died, I want to say, about 50 years ago, sixty eight, sixty nine. He was a man who was not in good health. He had a bad ticker. Died in Florida. There was nobody in, in the family, in his immediate family, that wanted to take on the business. So the label itself was sold to a company out of Nashville and its entire catalog, and it's, it's uh, basically the name King because they had their own pressing facilities down in Nashville. Uh moved to Nashville and it has gone through several several owners since the the whole facility Police closed by here by back in March I think July, it was 1971-72. But now we have a chance to role, if no if it's just a building that price. can be saved Caretops and can be refurbished and turned into something. Best. Whether it be an interactive Thompson museum in as as or, as some weeks, would like it to see, uh, become another recording studio. <laughs> because while there's money back, and because there are a lot of uh, I you, local music acts that would know place more, baby, to call home and a place to record I yeah, there's a yours, baby. Yours For that piece of Cincinnati over. history to be embraced, I'm to you to it's usually to embrace bad the bad things the that you remember. It's usually to embrace the, the memories. Years ago. But the we all right, welcome back. 700 road. WLW 207. The it's the average American and for the great American as we cruise till 3 o'clock. That's memory. when Eddie and Rocky roll in it's here. And then all hell breaks loose to embrace those things. You know, I don't know whether you uh, were problem, paying attention last week. Died. I was, maybe you were too. This You'd is a way to work keep us plugged into our of of heritage alive. So whether or not city councils, I don't know if you saw just the ramifications. The right thing to do is to embrace it for a lot of reasons. No the fallout other than just the music it made it's not what could affect you it's coming up on news time after the news uh, the ramifications the of what this uh, this new targeting rule in the NFL, the nfl thinks it's may hold for various it nfl teams including your cincinnati ball played now look concussions is it are big it really deals? going to help make it a safer the sport. nfl only found up religion up on it it's the average american the last five for the or seven americans because they were taken to court by all players former players didn't take them to court things would have been business as usual uh, but they have, and now there is a, a push because it is such a a new kind of uh, medicine, new within the last 50 years, of understanding what the brain is and how things affect it. But there are new targeting rules that have been implemented by the NFL that hopefully will cut down on the amount of concussion and concussed injuries that occur in a football game. I don't know how it's going to be enforced, because if you read the rule that has just been implemented, someone could be flagged and ejected for targeting if they lead with their helmet. That would include not just players tackling someone on the other team, but an offensive lineman trying to block, a receiver or a running back trying to pick up that extra yard or two by lowering his head. Now, I saw this on USA Today last week and I, I found it startling. Remember that Bengals Steelers carnage game back in December? Remember that when they had all those flags, all those penalties, and some of those horrible injuries? USA Today went back and they looked at just the first half of that Bengals Steelers game and said that the new targeting rule could have affected 24 plays. 24 plays. In just one half of that game. But clearly this is a this is a problem for the NFL to officiate but globally for you and me particularly if we have kids that play football. This is a much bigger deal particularly if you have a child that's uh, maybe 8, 10, 12, wants to play peewee football. Uh, the chances of he or she getting a concussion and having that concussion affect them Far greater than what it affects a a a fully grown adult, the chances of that affecting them more than that fully grown adult is far greater. So what do we do about this and why is this why is this so important to watch and what 's the NFL really up to now on the line on the celebrity hotline right now is a is a lady that uh, i 've read a lot of things about, read some of her works, understand who she is and uh, she seems to understand this concussion deal just about as well as anybody. Her name is Dr. Dr. Sally Fryer-Dietz. We'll get into how you can find her and where she is. But, but her group has been studying the effects of concussion on the brain, and in particular on the brain of younger people for a, uh, for a long time now. And I wanted to get her on to talk about this and how the NFL really could be uh, kind of a, a, kind of a, a blueprint for the rest of football as it's played below the NFL. So let's welcome to the show, uh, from Texas, Dr. Sally Fryer-Dietz. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it.
10: You're welcome.
4: Um, you saw what the NFL did this week about uh, changing the rule of leading with the head and trying to uh, uh, cut down on on, hopefully, concussions and other serious injuries. I thought it was... I'm trying to think this wasn't more PR than anything else. Do you think maybe that this is just lip service, or do you think this really will go a a long way in in solving what has become a major problem for football players?
10: Well, I think everybody acknowledges that there is a problem, and I think uh, everybody knows something needs to be done about it. There needs to be a cultural shift across the board, not just for, the coaches and the players, but also for the fans who are uh, engaging in it. Everybody, you know, people go to football games and they love seeing all this action. Mm-hmm. And until people really get it that uh, that this really is not good for people long term, right. um, it's going to continue to happen.
4: Yeah, I, I, wanna, I really want to believe that. I, I just think that the NFL only found religion on this after it was sued by its former players. And you're right, right. It's a, it's a cultural thing. It's not just, uh, confined to the owners or to the players. It's confined to why fans watch football and that it doesn't right. have to be played that way. There is some fear among the players that this thing is going to be so difficult to, uh, to, to officiate that you could look at any football game and find 25 to 40 plays that would Result in a flag and a review and a suspension and, and all of that, and it's just going to slow the whole thing down. Um, right. I just, I, I, I just, I'm just wondering how you think they're going to officiate this on the field.
10: Well, I don't, I don't know how they're going to officiate it on the field. I think um, you know it's a, it's a step in the right direction, mm-hmm. and you know all we can do is get out there and try. There will always, unfortunately, be people who do not. Play by the rules, and you see it in every single sport. You see it in ice hockey. You see it in, you know, boxing. Sure. You see it, you know, soccer. Every 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 place, and that's what there really needs to be a no tolerance policy sure. for. Um, you know, people, you know, really should play by the rules, but it doesn't happen a lot.
4: Yeah, you know, I I think there is. It's beyond discussion that this is a really. Big deal. This is a really serious thing in your in your work, and as I said, you're involved with uh, former NFL players who may be at the risk of CTC. What what do, what are you learning from working with them about long term uh, ramifications of just these things, concussions in particular? I mean, what what have you found in your study?
10: Well, you know, it's interesting. A lot of the guys that we've worked with uh, were players who sustained injuries way before anybody acknowledged that there's a problem. Uh, and, you know, it hasn't been really that long that we've had research. Research is about runs about 15 to 20 years behind uh, by the time you get real, you know, published data out there. So, you know, clinically we've seen these problems for a long time, but the players haven't known about it. And when they, you know, signed up to play 30, 40 years ago, nobody signed up to have early dementia or all the problems that they're seeing now. Um, so, you know, there's a real reality check with, with a lot of people. And we see kind of two camps. These are the camp who's in total denial about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're going to go forward and figure there's nothing you can do about it. And then there's the other camp that, you know, they really are suffering and they sure would like to find a way to help and, uh, or to get help. And I think that's what we're, you know, really trying to do is, is to find treatments that are available where we can help people mm-hmm. when they're, you know, suffering uh from a lot of these symptoms and we're finding that there are things that we can do that no matter how old your injuries are uh, you can make a change in your life and you know at this point I think we need to have a focus on that as well as on the preventative aspects of you know putting people you know out to play a good sport but not putting them in a position where uh, you're taking their life away in the long
4: run and this is new medicine right i mean this this is only uh, the, the study of the brain and long term concussion effects c t e this is fairly new medicine in your profession is it not
10: it's actually it's not really new medicine it has been you know like i said we've been aware of it for a long time. The scientific proof about it mm-hmm. is relatively new because of this uh, tendency you know it really does take 15 to 20 years to have the studies that you need to prove that these things are happening and these things are bad. And it's not just a coincidence that you're seeing these uh, kinds of problems. So science is now catching up to what we're seeing clinically. And when you have that kind of data, it's hard to run from it. You really have to acknowledge it. Same thing happened with smoking.
4: Mm-hmm.
10: You know, think about how long people smoked before we had hard data that it was bad for you.
4: So I, I've been told now, correct me if I'm wrong, that the risk is one thing in a fully formed brain. But when you're talking about younger players, when you're talking about eight, nine, 10, 11, kids that play Pop Warner Junior football, that the yes. brain isn't fully developed. And therefore there's more cause for, for injury, more cause for harm because the brain hasn't fully developed inside the cranium. Is that factually correct?
10: That is absolutely correct, but it even goes beyond that. Um, in a developing brain, you have a lot more fluid around the brain inside of the, the skull, and what happens with that is you get more movement. Um, you know, people have probably heard of shaken baby syndrome, and yes. that's you know, infants. You know, if they get jarred too much or somebody shakes them, mm. they can suffer you know incredible long term uh, permanent brain damage from that, and you know, even young kids who sustain falls and, you know, fall off their bunk bed or yeah. something like that, they're at risk for having long-term damage because of this movement that can occur uh, within the cranium, not just the fact that it's an immature brain, but because of all the movement that takes place.
4: And at the NFL level, obviously, you you have have habits that have been bad when it comes to this kind of thing for a while, and so the the relearning or the breaking of those bad habits is going to be a little more difficult maybe than it would be for somebody that is playing football at a younger age and i think first of all it's encouraged
0: hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they are also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life.
4: No purchase necessary. VGW. Revoid. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. ...that there's light on this thing, but if you were going to, right. if you're going to speak to anybody who coaches at the younger level or a parent in, more important, a parent whose whose child may want to play football. What would you tell them?
10: Well, you know, uh, right now I'm developing a, a course actually for coaches and for parents to be able to, um, you know, identify risk factors early. Um, to be able to identify if somebody is injured on the on the field, they have to be pulled from the game and they have to go through the steps of, of rehab protocol. But really one of the very best things that you can do is to get a complete baseline assessment. Mm -hmm. And that's not just the impact testing that schools give where it's a neurocognitive test, which is, you know, a great tool, but it's one small piece of the big puzzle. Um, If you can get a baseline test where, you know, we go for physicals for sports and Mm -hmm. they look for a hernia and they look for a heart murmur and other things, but nobody's looking at their coordination. Nobody's looking at their vision, their response speed. Um, do they have a peripheral, you know, vision deficit? You know, those are the risk factors that can put them um, at a greater risk to be injured on the field. So if you have a good baseline two twenty six seven hundred WLW. Early,
4: welcome back. You can
10: train those things. You can help the average your American up in for success, the great American. Uh, uh, so no, USA Today all of this, and they found 1st the be half plays and in that Bengals
4: Steelers game. Much of a risk Seventy-five yeah, first-half plays, I mean,
10: thirty-nine possible penalties on twenty-four plays. You know, sure. I'm telling you, the but NFL isn't going to be able to enforce up, this.
4: Um, They're not. Safer, I mean, think you know, about got, just how, you know, over and above how good it is, is to try sure. and cut down the number uh, of injuries. Doctor, concussions thank you so much for your time. And again, NFL. from is how you can Having less of the helmets, thank you. We appreciate of a part of the play. Thanks so much for your interest. Leave that aside for the second. A kid, the morality like, of that, you know, and the, oh, hey, the big picture and all 12, of that is great. You gotta think about things like that. I ain't gonna Do you really enforce want him out there. Are you going to say football? that a I can say, a well, guy he jumps, that is a pulling guard, off a swing, and is blocking, on this and this and, and that, but I, and he's coming you know, as through, as much and he's putting his helmet into a defender's TV shoulder football, pads. As much as that, if you look at the new targeting rule, you know, the he's competition and the teamwork. teamwork and all of that, I mean, are you I, going I think to say that a running that back? Let's say, for, for example, Joe Mixon. Really, Joe Mixon catches a flare and pass a and he's trying to turn players, it upfield, and he players. sees say, a cornerback there, and he needs another two yards for the touchdown. Number of years do, Just stand up and run out of bounds. Think about that if you're a parent. No, Again, he's going that to put was, his head down and try uh, that, and get those two yards was, for the first uh, down. That, that is just Well, now what happens? Dr. Sally Fryer Are you going to throw I a great penalty American is out? The average Nixon. American is in. Does the referee Radio, then go to the video no, replay no, to you. see if Mixon indeed did this? And if indeed he did, is he ejected from the game? And then does he face suspension the following week? And that goes before the NFL review. And you may not know until Tuesday or Wednesday whether or not you have Joe Mixon for your next game. And if that's going to happen in just one play, in one game, imagine the number of penalties that could be in, uh, thrown and enforced through the course of a 16 game NFL Sunday and Monday. It's ridiculous. The NFL found religion on this simply because it was taken to court and it was sued. It's the only reason why. The NFL is concerned about this because it disrupted its business and it knows that it has to make its sports safer or there will be mothers of 5- and 6- and 7-year-old kids that won't let their kids play football. And that dries up the, t- the talent pool for the rest of the NFL, 7, 10, 18 years down the road. So I don't know how this thing gets enforced. I don't know how this gets reviewed. I do know the idea is good and it's, it's it's wonderful and it's great. But if you're going to say if you lower your helmet and you drive yourself forward either to tackle or to block or to advance the ball, these games are going to take six hours to play. 749 7000 the big one. Pound 700 on AT&T. It's all leading up to the top of the hour 3 o'clock when those two rascals, Eddie and Rocky, roll in here for another day of fun and frivolity. On News Radio 700 WLW.
9: Look how young I
2: look.
0: You don't look young at all.
2: Your papa looks good. Huh?
0: You look good, but not you don't look young. <laughs>
2: hello. hello? Hello, 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 hello. Quiet, numbskulls.
4: I'm broadcasting.
2: You oh. bought your bonehead?
4: Oh, my God. Seg, what do you think would happen if you told Marty, Marty, you look good, but you don't look young? Uh, I'd be thrown out. But see, a grandkid can say that.
3: I was just about to say that. Yeah, grandkids that, can that say only, that. The only that's the only thing uh, that uh, to tell Marty is his grandkids that he's not young.
4: Yeah, grandkids can say anything they want to grandparents. It doesn't matter. You, they can say anything they want. The grandparent thinks it's great. There's something wrong with that because you can't say anything you want to your parent and they think it looks it sounds great. Well, you say the same thing to your grandparent. Oh, that's great. I love that. You know, why does life work that way?
3: Maybe I'd have a guest on that talks about that, Ken. Bro, I that's, might. That's
4: way over my pay grade. I might. That's I might way over I my I might pay go grade. to that well next week.
3: Okay. Good. Yeah. Uh, the Astute Report is a proud service of your local Tempstar. Heating and Air Conditioning Dealers. Tempstar. Quality you can feel in Western Hills. Call Durban Heating and Cooling at 598-8449. Or go to Durban Heating and Sports! Second time in a row we've heard that. Reds are off on a uh, road trip now, Ken Brew, the first of the season. I think that was Eddie Fingers. First of four. Up against those Pirates beginning tomorrow night with Homer Bailey on the mound. The action right here on 700 WLW. Uh, catcher Stuart Turner clearing waivers today. He's been uh, outrighted to uh, A Louisville. Guess who's back? RG3.
4: With the Ravens.
3: Correct. Yeah. Former uh, Redskin and Browns uh, quarterback RG3, Robert Griffin III, signs today with Baltimore.
4: Let me ask you a question. I got a trivia question for you. Go ahead. The uh, Louisville Bats open tonight. Yes, sir. Name. A bat? No. Oh. Nick Senzel is in the lineup. He is the seventh overall prospect in all of minor league baseball. Yes, sir. Name the last Louisville bat that was the seventh overall prospect in all of minor league baseball. Ooh.
3: Current red? Negative.
4: Um. Let me give you a hint. Long, lean, and lanky. Matt Adams? Negative. Oh. Matt Adams? The last, set, no you should know this, the last one was Araldish Chapman. How about that? The last position player that the Reds had that was the number one prospect in all of Major League Baseball that played for the Louisville Bats.
3: Mary Markin.
4: Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce. All right. How about okay. that? Okay. You can win some bar bets tonight up there when you go home tonight.
3: <laughs> when I stop by, I'll do Stop that. it off.
4: What's the number one watering hole up there by you say? I don't know, Ken Brew. I don't, uh, don't go to too many of them. Okay, we'll just check in case I'm up that way. I might call you up and say you want to go have a pop. Uh, Travis
3: Steele tonight at 6.05, the new Xavier coach. I like that guy. He's going to be formally introduced in about
4: 22 minutes on campus. Don't you think Travis Steele was a good hire? Yes. I I like that guy. I think he's intense. He recruited all those guys at Xavier. I mean, all these Xavier fans were running around apoplectic last week that Chris Mack was going to go to Louisville. Everybody knew he was going to Louisville like a year ago. And I like they, they said, don't worry. They got the guy that recruited all of those guys and the guy that designed the Xavier offense. This guy's good. He will uh, continue happy. the tradition of uh,
3: Xavier assistants becoming head coaches and having success.
4: They've done well at each and every stop of the way. Correct. Uh, Prosser was better than Gillen, right? Right. Then you had who after him? Thad Mata? Thad Mata, correct. All, all right. Then you had Miller was better than Mata. Right. And Mack was better than Miller. Correct. This would be fun.
3: So everything's okay on Victory Parkway. Uh, Jim Herman uh, will uh, be on tonight, uh, the PGA golfer. Uh, he's out right now with uh, foot injury, but uh, he will uh, be talking about uh, tomorrow's Masters as that kicks off among the Azaleas and the uh, Poinsettias or whatever they have down there. And then uh, we'll be talking about
4: uh, young Tiger Woods. i got a question for him. Back. Can you, can you uh, pass this on to Lance? i got a question for him when he has Jim Miller on. I'm sure Jim Lance Herman is on. listening. I want to know if the white uniforms that they have to wear at Augusta, that the caddies have to wear at Augusta, yes sir, do they have starch in them? Okay. I want to know do they have starch and can you remember that? Do they have? See what I can do because I'm not going to be here. I'll I'll be home preparing. Many questions as Willie gives Brian Tome from you. I got to get Brian on here in a little, but I'm just saying I'm interested if they starch those things and if they're washed like from one day to the next. I'm just interested in these things. Paul Doherty's down there maybe we'll call him too you know a lot of writers go down there and they like live in a house there's like six and seven writers in a house like these national writers have gone to Augusta Betcha, be That's sick. exciting. can you imagine what those bathrooms must look like
3: Betcha, that's exciting you
4: get sport, six sports writers in a house in Augusta
3: yeah but a dollar fifty for a grilled cheese is not bad
4: no, I'm. I, you know what? I, I or pimento
3: I, cheese. You can get a pimento cheese. Sandwich.
4: I I got golf buddies here in town, and all they want to do is go down and watch a practice round at the Masters. And I'm like, I
3: would just like to go there and see it.
4: I'd like to go there and play it.
3: Well, you know what? I'll what you, caddy for
4: you. Well, that, you, know, you got a deal. Now we got to Star starts uniform or not? What do you figure that is? About twenty nine dollars for eighteen in a oh, cart down least, there? Yeah, yeah, sure. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah.
3: Just I think John Boehner. He's he's got Willie on there no times at all over the years.
4: You think John Willie, Boehner's Willie, played? You think, wa-
3: Willie is still waiting for the
4: invitation. Do you think, he, do you think Boehner's played Augustine? He's probably played probably, Augustine. He probably has. Yeah. No well, maybe we can get him to go. I'll pay for the cart. John and I'll split a cart. Bingo. You got it. Absolutely. Amen corner, do a couple of wheelies or something. I'll do anything Donuts. to play down there. No, no, I'm just saying I I would that's one of the places I would like lo- I would like to play Pebble Beach. Oh, that's well, a great there. golf that's course. Nice. I would love to play Pebble Beach. You know, Spyglass. Even out th- I'd love to play Spyglass. It doesn't matter. I'd, I'd, just, I'd just like to go there and just see it. I'd like to go see the White Cliffs of Dover. Wouldn't you like to go see the White Cliffs of Dover? Sure. I'd love to go see that. Hell, I'd like to play the Oasis for free out here in Loveland. I don't get invited. I, I just you just be- did. No, no, no. I, I play I play out at Still Meadow, which is a great little club out here on the east side of town. There are great people out there. It's a great track of land. They're wonderful folks. I'm just saying that I play golf. I'd like to go to these places. I play Hickory Woods. You ever played Hickory Woods in Loveland? It's a no. great little public course. It's wonderful. When I hear uh, Doc plays there a lot, doesn't he? He used to. Doc I don't know he? if he's there much anymore. Oh, uh, you know, he's moved up in the world. Yeah, I don't I know. He's a, but I know that they revere him out there. Well, well, they I mean, got a statue of him back there, don't they? You no, know, I got something. I don't know. A rake. I think a broken rake or something dedicated to him. Segi, so get us out of this stooge report because Rocky Boyman's here and you never keep a redhead waiting. You know, my dad told me that. Yeah, my dad good. told me two things when I was growing up. Two redheads at once? That's what he told me. My dad told me two things. He said, never cut your chicken on the same board you sliced a tomato. And he also said, never keep a redhead waiting. That's what he told me. Ken brew in honor of uh, an overcast day
3: here at a tri-state and cold. It's, it's horrible. the I mean. wide world of sports is going on with the weather? 72 one day and 30 the next. Horrible here. Better get Steve Raleigh on the line. We'll get him. He'll fix it. We leave you with the immortal words of the Stooge Report.
0: I've had two different low, low moments. Obviously, what I'm going through now. And then uh, my father's death. Um, those are two... Uh, two low moments that I've had so far no doubt
4: well, that'll bring you down right there won't it he's back tomorrow played with Phil yesterday did you see him walking over the bridge there How about that holy girl right over Ray's Creek w- I'll wonder, tell you w- what wonder
3: which one who said who's gonna push me in if you can, I, they didn't get along right they didn't like no each other, no no right? they,
4: they, they, they hated each other if nice. you can get if you can get Boehner on the phone in the next 15 minutes and he can get us onto Augusta I'll split the cart with him I think it's I'd, honestly. I think on a, a like on a on a Thursday in off peak season, it's twenty nine dollars in a cart for a cart. Probably, yeah. I think that's it. A little early evening alert. Early, early evening round of golf. Yeah, you can go out about five o'clock. Yeah. And if you can fix that, it would be fantastic. Can Run you get back end. to me before three? Sure. Okay. Seven hundred WLW.
9: Thank you.
4: All I'm doing here is just trying to warm this whole thing up. I'm like the Shecky Green for Frank Sinatra. I'm just trying to warm this thing up for Eddie and Rocky. They're in here. at Like, uh,
11: like suicidal tendencies before Metallica comes on, right? Suicidal
4: kinda, tendencies.
11: You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, that's at. like
4: where everybody like goes to the bathroom and gets a beer, right? Exactly. I mean, it's like those Riverbend acts. I feel badly <laughs> for the guys that open up for like, you know, ZZ top, you know. Right. Here they are direct from Akron, but you know, everybody has yeah, a role. I role? Start. I'm just I'm I'm just getting everybody ready for you, Rob. I, I
11: saw something a, a while ago like Ozzy Osbourne was talking and he said uh, that we had this band open up for us called named Pantera. <laughs> and and he said, and all of a sudden, we had a few few months into the show, more people were showing up for Pantera than right. us. We knew we knew we might have yeah. to get a different opening yeah, act. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> so I was talking about this this uh, this new NFL rule uh, about targeting with the helmet and how you know the NFL last week came down with this deal where if you lead with the helmet. Uh, regardless of whether you're a blocker, tackler, ball carrier, whatever, there, there is a very good chance you could get flagged. And in that Bengal-Steelers game, USA Today went back and analyzed the 75 plays that occurred in the first half for both teams, and 24 of those plays could have resulted in penalties under this new ruling. I'm just wondering, as somebody that, that played this game at various levels, A, how do you enforce it? And, B, if you do enforce it, won't it be a random enforcement?
11: I, I think so. And you and I were talking off air. I think the NFL did a good thing by clarifying the catch rule, right, simplifying a little bit. And then just as we were getting ready to celebrate, they added a very ambiguous rule that where there's a lot of – it's a very subjective thing. And kind of to your point there, I heard an NFL executive, uh, Sal Palantonio, was talking about it. And he said an NFL scout or somebody said, you know, Eighty like eighty to ninety percent of plays will involve some sort of aspect of that role, lowering of the head. I mean, right. think about every quarterback sneak, right? That's sure. gone. Sure. Every hey, it's third and one. We need our running back to get one. And all of a sudden, that's a lowering of the head. Think about when a you know a two hundred eighty pound defensive end is is bull rushing an offensive tackle. That offensive tackle, you, you can't. It sounds good. In theory, to just take your two hands and bench press that guy off you, but in theory it 's not going to happen. No. You need something to absorb the blow, and that thing is kind of the the two screws on the front of your helmet
4: Now think about this: you could be theoretically ejected for doing that, right, So are you going to send the referee to that viewing station after every one of these penalties, and you could face suspension, yeah, so come Monday or Tuesday if you're, for example, the Bengals, and Joe Mixon lowered his head on a third and one to get a first down, but instead got flagged. Are you going to have Mixon next week when yeah. do you play the Steelers? Game, not game,
11: yeah, game's on the line. We need our running back to get that one yard, ice the game versus the Steelers, and, and trying to do his job. Is he going to get thrown out? Of, and the biggest thing, Ken, is they're instituting what is, in my opinion, a very, very significant role. I don't want to understate that. And they're doing it in an era where you don't have the time and opportunity to practice it. Right, 2011 CBA, mm-hmm. you know, cut down on the number of OTA days, cut down on the number of padded practices, right. cut down on the number of opportunities you can work with your your coach. So now you got a, a new rule that's very uh, that's a big time change. Now we're saying, okay, well, just go out there and do it when right. you've been playing football for 20 years doing right. it one way. So it's I don't know how they're going to do it. I, I think the result is going to be. More of what we don't want,
4: and that's flags. I got John no here. John, you want to weigh on on this NFL thing, John? Hey, Ken. How are you? Rocky's here too. Hey, Rocky. How you doing? Good. Fire away,
11: John.
2: You know, just some quick math. Uh, <clears throat> there's about 150 uh, plays from scrimmage in an NFL game. Uh huh. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, if you got uh, uh, 32 teams over the course of uh, Preseason for postseason, you're talking about if you consider every potential uh, incident, and I'm talking about point of attack. And what you were just describing just before is the game of NFL football involves eleven potential points of attack right. every play. Right. right.
4: So your you're math, you're, 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 you're what you're saying is there's going to be tens you've got of a thousands half a of players. potential.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. You've got a half a million. A half a million potential replay calls through the course of a season right and then and
4: and and john then the case becomes what play do you flag and if you flag that play well why didn't you flag the play before because you didn't see it wait a minute every game's got 10 cameras right so everybody should theoretically
11: be able to go back and see everything right
4: so i i think this is this is a a slip thank you john i think this is a slippery slope that uh Anyway, so that was and, and here's
11: and here's the deal with this too, Ken. I look, I'm all for making the game safer, and I know you are too. But think about the last six years, five or six years, let's say, where there's been an emphasis on taking the head out of the tackle and you know CTE and all that. So we have all that emphasis, and we're changing the game and doing all this. And what happened last year? Concussions went up. Yeah, there was more a, the, a record number of I think it was 291 concussions, up 16 percent from the year before. So. If we're changing the rules and but it's not having the effect of uh, the the effect of the uh, what we're intended to do, then all we're getting for that in right. return is flags, penalties, and stoppages in
4: place. And you know why so. they're doing it? It's because Lawsuits. guys like you mm-hmm. are suing the NFL. Right. You know, they gotta play- be able to
11: go into court and say, Look, right. we're doing this, we're right. trying to do things to right. pass it, guys.
4: Right. It's it's yeah. like when you take training courses at your employer for sexual harassment or whatever right. it might be. Hey, well, we trained them. That's yeah, that's we not told on him. us. Yeah, and that's what trying this is. Hey, safer. we got these new rules in here. It's not on us. Yeah, it's, it's going tough. I I just think the NFL only found religion on this because it started costing them. I think initially seven hundred and fifty million dollars.
11: What they got to do, in my opinion, is you got to take. And this is obviously very hard and it's subjective as well. But you got to take intent into the equation. Mm-hmm. I think the average person would say, okay, that guy was trying to put his head down and spear and physically hurt that guy. Sure. Let's throw the flag there, but hey, bang bang play. The guy happened to you know the the the, the ball carrier lowered his head, so the tackler lowered his head a little bit more, and all of a sudden, can you not do that? I mean, but how do you
4: how do you how do you determine intent in anything in life? I mean, what what were you intending to do 100 on that? A hundred
11: guys at a bar. Did he try to hurt that guy? I don't know. You know, it's one of those. It's tough, but I don't know why the NFL. I've never understood this. Why don't they? The NFL say, "Look, guys, we're going to pay you. We're going to be rich beyond your wildest dreams. But here's a contract, and before we, we pay you all this money, you're going to sign it. It says you're not going to come back and sue us five, ten, twenty years on down the line. And I know, you know, ethically, whatever, but yeah. I, I don't know. It may, not, be, it. It.
4: It may not hold up in, in a court. But you're right. I mean, there are inherent risks with any job. Everything. If you're if you're a window washer in a high rise." You have more risks than you have if you sell shoes. Right. Exactly. I mean it just 100%. it's j and you're probably compensated because of that.
11: And, and well and that's that's why I always give the example of my dad. My dad worked, you know, road construction his whole life. His elbows are you know, he can hardly really, you know, he's got arthritis in him and he's hurt, but he looked at the time he's like Look, I was doing what I got to do to take care of my family. I understood yeah. that doing construction and stuff could be harmful to my body, but hey man, this is what I choose to do in life. So,
4: I don't know. So what do you and uh Mr. Fingers have planned for today? We got
11: a big show today, can we get a Big show. I love o'clock. big shows. shows.
4: What you say I got a big show before you go on the air? It doesn't really matter what you got. No, you really believe you got a big show. <laughs> exactly, <That's laughs> you're not going to sit here and say, "Yeah, we got some oh, stuff yeah, that's going to fill some boy. time."
11: We have no idea what the hell we're going to do today. No, we got Tanya Rourke uh, coming right out of the gate. Oh, you got a
4: big show, big you got one. Her. That's right. I, she, I sit with. She's an,
11: very opinionated little thing. I so. I, I oh, sit I like
4: with an eye contact of her at nine on your side. Nice, we so. can look over at each other and make eye contact. All right, she does. That's yeah, good. So you're out of the gate strongly. Go ahead. Got her,
11: and then here since we only got a second here. A topic we're going to do at 5 o'clock that I think you'll like is we're going to do an unofficial, official debate on what is the best music decade, hmm. 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, even 2000s. can what is your answer and why? I want to know why you think what you do. What decade had the best music?
4: Why? I would automatically disqualify the two thousands because anybody can be a star for three minutes. You know, most of these most of these acts now they have microphones that correct your auto tune. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and and a lot of them are acts. They can't sing. And people download their music and they listen to it for three minutes and then they're gone. And there's somebody else coming up behind them. You know, yeah. there's there's some very good artists and there's some people that frankly don't belong on stage. But that's true of any I think any of shot interview. I would have to say that the halcyon days of rock and roll music would probably be the 80s. 80s? Because I think, I think although I like disco, disco kind of like polluted the 70s. Yeah. And the yeah. 60s, most of the music was made by other people than the Axe. They would get you know they would be done by studio musicians and then they would train the front guys to go out and at least equip themselves well in right, a concert. Right. I would say the '80s because it was pure rock and roll. It wasn't processed. There was some computer-driven music, but yeah. there was just there were there were you, there were a lot of things going on in the years. Rock and roll. There was country rock. There was. Uh, big uh, big hair bands. It was, was heavy later metal. In
11: the, later in the eighties. You got the hair metal thing, which yeah. is very dear to my heart. So, so no, I, you're, you're right.
4: I would I would err on just for pure rock. I would say the eighty, but I don't know. It's subjective, and it's going to carry you probably for forty five minutes. And, yeah, no, it'd be good.
11: <laughs> I want to hear. And, and again, I'm especially interested in hearing from people that look. Every, you know, a lot of people are going to name the the tunes that the, the generation that you know when they were in high school, right? Kind of your right. you know, golden years. But I'd love to hear from people that. You know, say you're in your late fifties, but you really love grunge rock. You think that's the best? Right. Ninety. I don't know. Maybe there's somebody out there that that uh, describes.
4: We'll I see. would say the '80s simply because my favorite song of all time is an '80s song. And I think if you have, if you want to do me a service while I'm listening today, you'll play it. And that would be that would be Tarzan Boy by Baltimore. <laughs>
11: That's not your favorite song. What is your favorite song of all time? We'll continue this discussion <laughs> right. later on.
4: Eddie and Rocky are next. Back in tomorrow for the Great American on News Radio seven hundred WLW.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky.
1: Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office.